Welcome to Spotlight by Play Craig. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! A podcast that shines some light on amazing people in the baseball world. Deja vu all over again, as uh, Yogi Berra would say. Introducing your host and the founder of Play Crate, Josh Ben. Hey, everybody. My name is Josh, uh, and this is Spotlight, a podcast where we shed some light on people in the baseball and softball community. Uh, this could be anyone from players, coaches, entrepreneurs, and anyone who has an interesting story we can learn from. Today, we have an amazing guest. His name is Brad Marcelino. Uh, Brad's an amazing coach. He's had tons of experience both as a professional player and as a coach. He's played in over a dozen countries, including the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he was a hitting coach and a recruiting coordinator for the University of San Diego and was also a coach at the World Baseball Classic, the USA and at USA Baseball, and a coach in organizations for the Padres, the Giants, the Diamondbacks. He's recruited and developed over 65 MLB draft play, draft picks, including Chris Bryant, Connor Joe, Kyle Holder, Bryson Brigman, Riley Adams, and Jay Schulier. He is currently a hitting consultant for multiple MLB, MILB players, including MLB stars like Manny Ramirez. Um, Brad Marcelino, welcome to the show. Love <laughs> it, doing? man. Yeah, yeah brother. That, that was the longest intro I've ever done, by the way. They're usually yeah. not that long, but I was looking at it. I was I like, know about the good or a bad thing. It's a, it's a great thing, because I, I was writing this. I was like, this is, this is too long of an intro, but I couldn't leave it. People know that you were a player first, then you got into coaching, and then I was like, "Well, I can't, I can't leave out any of the organizations. I can't leave out the draft picks." Um, so kudos to you. You've had the longest intro, which is a great thing in uh, in, in the Spotlight Podcast history. Um, but man, I'm super happy we got to do this and sit down. Um, you know, I found you just by nerding out on hitting and just watching your videos and all your drills and everything, and I just couldn't wait to have a you know kind of. Obviously, I looked into your resume and all the things, and you do so much. So I'm I'm pumped to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, man, I appreciate uh appreciate you taking the time. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, but it's been uh, uh we've been going going back and forth. The intro thing, um, yeah, I I'm, I really don't know if that is a good or a bad thing, but it's always uh kind of uh in a nutshell, you start to talk about all that stuff. It's like wow, um, so many cool experiences that I've been really fortunate to be part of. Yeah, no, I mean, sure, I'm sure it adds up because because I saw that you had a, a full playing career, and I know those things lead to other opportunities and organized and um, affiliated ball. So I'm pumped to just jump in, jump into everything, and just learn your background and and how you got to to where you were, and and eventually how you got to help so many players as well through that process. So um, I guess that's where we can start. Tell us a little bit, just general, generally about your background. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get into baseball? Um, and just kind of take us through, you know, your early childhood into, into high school, college, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm going to bet a lot of money that no one has had the, uh, the background <laughs> or the upbringing that I had. I was actually born in, born in London, born in England. Um, okay. and I lived there until I was 11, 12 years old. I played over there at the American School of London where my dad coached for a long time. So it was all the uh, expats and the kids that were playing over there. So I was playing with high school kids and at 11 and 12 years old just because, um, you know, the game in Europe back then wasn't, wasn't too prevalent. So I moved, ended up moving to Central California when I was uh, 11 years old. And that's kind of where you really kind of got into the baseball, the baseball world. But Part of it was to for baseball for myself and to kind of experience that over in the U.S. Um, and then ended up, uh, you know, kind of doing that in Central California, which I'll come back to later as far as the recruiting side of it, like the full whole full circle thing. Yeah. But um, it, yeah, the it's kind of been uh, definitely a, a whirlwind as far as the experiences that I've had. And, and, you know, first off, it's just I've always known that. Uh, there's so many other other people around me that just you just try and surround yourself with that are better and better mm -hmm. players and better <laughs> coaches and um but after central california ended up moving down to uh or going to school in la at a uh, a small school and i was always interested in like kind of the academic part of it and 
and everything else. But I, 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 the college part and being a coach and from what I've experienced was always kind of into player development, always into how to get better because, uh, you know, when you go out into the baseball arena as a player, um, there's certain things that stand out for, of certain guys, right? And I always had to kind of get the most out of what I had, and I was okay with it, right? I was okay kind of people, people saying, hey, you can't do that, you can't do this, because that's what kind of continues to drive drive you and, mm-hmm. and motivate you to do certain things. So, um, yeah, so I did that, and I ended up getting hurt my senior year, but I, and I after that I, I signed over in the Dutch League and um, played over in the Netherlands, which was cool. And I wasn't expecting much when I went over there, but I ended up, uh, God, it was amazing. You know, probably one of the best baseball experiences I've ever had. I played for Didi Gregorius's dad over there and so many good players that now have come from the, the Netherlands and, the, and Curacao and Aruba, as you know. Um, but kicked out around the baseball playing career for a long time, played in Australia, ended up playing in um, probably 12 different countries, which was which is, you know, kind of all these things just mold you into information and and what you want to give to a player. So um, at the end of all that stuff, uh, (laughs) I lived in San Diego in the off season and just kind of started my coaching career. So um, started at a local high school at La Costa Canyon High School here in uh, in Carlsbad, the Carlsbad area, which which produces a ton of really good players and um, ended up at USD for a long time after after that basically and and now here we are so yeah i mean you can you made it so concise into like two minutes but i'm like there's so much that happened in those years that i would love to dig into um you know you you had the choice to go play in the netherlands which honestly it sounds it sounds like such a blast uh right after college if, if if you don't get picked up right away I did the indie ball route for a little bit, which is like a, it's just a whole different world of what people think it, it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and you absolutely. did it for, you did it for 12 years or, or no, 12 countries. Yeah. Yeah. So I, since I was born in London, mm-hmm. I have my uh, British citizenship. So I've been playing on the Great Britain national team for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, my first tournament with Great Britain was in actually when in 99, when I was um, still in high school and uh, that was in Italy. So I've had these experiences from when I was like 16, you know, all the way. I think my last one was when I played in the WBC in 2012, I believe, which is insane. So I played, you know, <laughs> they, yeah. So, you know, there's so, there's so many things in the international game that have kind of, you know, the London series, right. That just happened. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. In the Red Sox over there. And, and there's so many things that have grown the game which is kind of like I'm so passionate about about just how great the game is and how how much I love it but um yeah so 99 and basically I did it from 99 throughout the for three decades up till 12 and I was like hey um there's no I don't want to I don't want to even touch a bat anymore yeah <laughs> you know like, like hey you want to go take fly balls I'm like no I don't want to go hit you know I'm done like I just want to hit a fungo and hang out and yeah. play some fungo yeah. golf and do my thing so, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, cool countries. I mean, you know, Croatia and Italy, Germany, um, uh, Czech Republic, Holland, France, just all all kinds of countries that that have uh, you know just kind of molded molded me to kind of what I have in 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 my brain. So, yeah, I mean, tell us a little bit about what it's like to play to play in Europe because obviously, super soccer heavy. So when people think baseball, a lot of people that you talk to from Europe, they're like, I don't even know where to start with yeah. baseball. It's so confusing. You know what I mean? And we take that for granted, obviously, because <laughs> everyone grew up with baseball in the United States. But I mean, what did did people think of it as a novelty or were they hardcore fans? Because this was the only baseball that they were exposed to. And honestly, I would love to hear you probably stayed with host families or you or maybe you had subsidized rent from your team or something. Um, what was the day to day life in some of these countries? And then in the U.S. where you just take a bus trip and go everywhere and you're traveling in and out of different countries, um, you know, sporadically. So, I mean, t- yeah. t- take us through that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. It's been, uh, you know, it's kind of been a grassroots, but it's been a progression, right? So MLB now has, has put in, or not now, but they have put in all these MLB academies throughout Europe. Um, the game has started to get, so they've started to get more publicity 
uh, a lot of good players have started to come out of there. Um, Max Kepler is kind of one of them, right? Like that's one of them that's that's pretty well known. Plays for the Minnesota Twins, signed out of Germany. And um, you start to get more talented players coming out. But it's kind of been that progression. You know, at first in 99 in Italy, Italy's and Holland are, no, are generally the two best leagues in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, Holland, obviously, you know, you see that team in the WBC. They're, they're you know, I think they beat the Dominican or I don't even remember who. But there they, are a lot of really good players that come, come from there. But the progression has definitely kind of been on the upward rise as far as the day-to-day. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's definitely different. When I first, probably the, the experience to talk about the most is when I was in Holland. But when I was in Holland, um, it was different. For sure it was different. It was, um, you, you almost, one of the things that, that really I, I struggled with was it was challenging because, you know, there's a support system in the U.S., Right there's uh you know baseball is definitely more well known so there it is known but it's also a different type of support system so as far as the day-to-day um is definitely you better be self-motivated type of thing (laughs) otherwise you're on an island right so um guys get homesick and all that stuff but man I, i grew up when i moved to the to from london to the u.s where you know i just grew up for nothing so i just always used to like just being grateful for what i had and it was just all about the experience and what i could get out of the experience So there, you know, you play three, four times a week and then you kind of have training, um, but it's not like the grind of every single day you're, you're getting after something. Um, for me, it was just because I'm on an Island, right. I'm, I'm alone. So my, my buddy and mine, uh, Kaino Perez from Venezuela, who's a, who's a, uh, pitcher, legendary pitcher from, from Venezuela. We would just always work out every day and kind of just get in our own routine. Um, I think regardless of the country you're in, right, Germany, Czech Republic, Australia, Asia, wherever, uh, you know, throughout the different continents throughout the world, it's all about kind of that same thing where we preach to guys is about their routine. So that's where I really developed a routine, you know, um, in, in those countries for sure. Yeah. I mean, three or three, you said three or four days a week, you guys had games. Yeah, yeah, I mean, basically, is like you know, it's kind of like Friday, Saturday, and like a doubleheader Sunday, or yeah. like maybe it's just three games a week type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that leaves way too much time to get into trouble. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> especially like yeah. that's yeah. that that's a lot of free time. When you're in college, at least you play three or four games a week. You have school, you have homework, you have everything. Um, that's a lot of time. So I can see, I, I, I know where you're coming from, where I know you had to be disciplined or there's, there's no shot of succeeding, especially when you're in a foreign country. And, and I'm sure you did so much exploring. And aside from baseball, that was just a positive and amazing experience for you, um, to just travel and learn and use baseball as a vehicle for that. So that's, that's, that's really cool. And a lot of people don't see that route a lot of the times, you know what I mean? I, I've had so many friends who they want to get to the MLB, they want to get to the MLB and they, they get drafted, they get hurt, they go to indie ball, they play till they're, you know, they're 30. And then they're like, what just happened? How do I get a job now? Um, and a lot of people just kind of push off going abroad because it doesn't give you a a really high likelihood of, um, of getting back back into affiliated ball. You know what I mean? So, I mean, why, did, did you realize right away, were you like, I'm going to use baseball um, and just play wherever? Or were you saying, I'm going to use baseball as a vehicle to travel? Or were you always in the back of your mind thinking, what's what's giving me the best ob- odds to make it to the, to the major leagues? Or were you even thinking about that and just having fun? Yeah. No, I think, you know, if I think every kid, you know, you, you that's your dream, right? You, um, you kind of say, OK, it, it, it's a matter of like, when does reality set in? And when, and also like, you know, how willing are you to continue to, to push and grind and get after it? So for me, I, I definitely was, um, was pushing to, to that side, you know, and, and playing in, in summer ball throughout college and doing well in, in, in those types of environments and everything else. So there's def- there were some opportunities there that I had when my senior year, when I got hurt, um, things change a little bit, right? Because, you know, when you look at certain players as a coach, there's guys that are very toolsy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now when I look back at my career, I'm like, well, you know, there was never anything that really stood out. So it was always like, okay, how are you going to kind of pr- progress in this game when you're not going to go to a showcase and run a six, three. Now, now guys are running six, one, by the way, which I find <laughs> blows my mind, right? That's like, insane. what are we yeah. doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
so yeah so then you know you get here and then you're like okay here's my opportunity here's what's presented in front of me i've worked my whole life to uh get the opportunity to play at the next level that's that's your dream that's what you want to do that's what you put all the hours in when no one's watching and then boom you get hit with this lightning and then all of a sudden you're hurt so now now what happens so that was kind of um i don't know if it was necessarily the route that you want to take right but it was almost like what everyone says it's like okay well what are we gonna do we're we gonna feel sorry for ourselves or are we gonna we're gonna go so um after kind of going through my, my the rehab and everything else that, that was the opportunity just because in holland the league started a little bit later so it gave me some time to to uh get better and, and improve and all that stuff and then ended up um signing over there and, and getting paid to play over there and, and do all that and there was always that itch right like okay well let me do this let me let me have a good year and then let's figure out our options. Um, so, you know, not, after that, it was like, okay, go play in Australia. And then you get to a point where you continue to play and continue to play. And guys always say you chase the sun, right? Like you go from yeah. the summer in Europe to the summer in Australia, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I've always been such a fan of the the giving back because of of everyone's sacrifices around me right i've always been a fan of how can i give back to the game how can i um i've I've had these experiences that i would never change because i feel like a lot of the experiences i've had maybe not in in the uh the minor league grind or at the mlb level um have helped me relate to players a certain way have helped me kind of talk to players a certain way i've i learned Probably, I can't tell you how much I learned from Didi's dad, right? From Coach Gregorius in Holland about just the work ethic, right? And just how to do things the right way and the things that he talked about. You know, like, there's no way I would, I would give that up. To spend six months with him and just learn under, under his tutelages was, was unreal. So, yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's a great segue to get into coaching because – you the the best coaches I've seen, the ones who can communicate the best, um, are the ones with the most amount of broad experiences um, playing baseball. It's never ever the people who got drafted first rounds, made their way up to the big leagues, had, had you know had success the whole time, um, which is really difficult to do. But but I think you know you were you had so many tough decisions. Um, to um to kind of either guide you or take you away from what you were doing um you know the the decision to go overseas which was unconventional the decision to chase the sun like you were saying and then just kind of absorbing everything and and soaking up everything i think just gives you and a lot of other coaches who might not might not have been in the big leagues um an even better perspective than those people who kind of get spoiled by talent and they get spoiled by these things and they're leaving a lot of um, unconventional wisdom off the table, I guess. Um, and I've, I've just kind of noticed that in the past few years where, um, you know, we idolize people with, with huge accolades or something like that, or, or, you know, you want to learn to hit from A-Rod or Tony Gwynn. Um, that's great. They had amazing careers. That doesn't necessarily mean they're the best communicator of why they had success. And I found that people like you who have had so much experience in so many different capacities are, are often the best people to, to talk hitting with and to, to actually have a coach that can individualize things for you because they've had so many experiences. So um, I'd like to use that just to go right into coaching. I mean, your, your first coaching job was in high school. Um, what was that like? Because you're going from playing in the World Baseball Classic and yeah. these super high-level <laughs> players, and you're playing at a really, really high level. Um, and then you go to high school where some kids don't even want to play college ball. I mean, what was that? Was that frustrating? Was that fun? Was it a relief? What, what was your first coaching job like? Yeah, I, um, what you broke down, man, that fires me up because, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, well, and we can talk about that, about that later as well. Um, but I, I do think you hit the nail on the head that, um, and, and for me, you know, when you, when you look at, kind of the that first coaching job it was all about just learning right like how can I get my feet kind of how can I just jump in and and figure out how to how to do it the right way and and formulate my own opinions and my own values and my own philosophies and how how you communicate to kids at that age so you know there's all this whole thing going back and forth with 
the guys that, that you said like played at the high, highest levels and guys that didn't play at the highest levels and like bridging the gap between the two. And um, for me, it's just literally been about, about the learning process, right? Um, it's been about how can you continue to get better each, every day? How can you continue to learn from, I don't care who it is, right? Like to me, you know, I, it doesn't matter whether, um, where you've played or what you've done. I respect every single person that I've come across. Right. And it's like, how can I give you value, but how can I learn, continue to learn from you? Um, and that first coaching experience was really all about that. Right. It was all about kind of like at first you go in, you're like, okay, I've done all this stuff. Here's how you should do it. Guys, this is what you need to do. This is what you have to do. Uh, you need to listen to me because of this and this and that. Okay, now I look back at it, and today I'm like, dude, what the hell? I'm, <laughs> yeah. What are you doing, right? Like, that's not the way to 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 go about it. But it was an experience that I I just kind of learned from Coach Machado there, who's legendary. He's done such a good job producing so many talents that you just kind of continue to to progress and learn every day. So it was the best place for me to start. It really was the best place for me to start because. Um, I started getting into doing courses on mental game of baseball book, right? Mm -hmm. And guys would stick around after practice in the dugout and we just break it down for 15, 20 minutes, right? And they would love doing it because I know that the one thing that I've always wanted to do is get back to the game and show players that I, I care, right? And regardless of how I used to communicate it, that was one thing that I think they, they appreciated was I wanted to come every day, have, have a plan and have some energy and be able to, to provide them some information. Right. Um, so yeah, it it was a good stop. And honestly, like now where I'm at thinking about the relationships I built there with some of those players, um, that are, that are kind of in my world still is, you know, it's, is always, it's always been a good thing. So, yeah. No, and that's, I mean, that's like the perfect foundation is, is everything that you're trying to coach is always with the, the, the preface that you're giving back. You want to help these kids. And, um, you know, I, I can, you can tell right away if you're a player, if you're a player, you know, right away, if your coach cares about you, um, and they're trying to help you, even if it's yelling at you or however they do it, um, you know, you, you know who cares about you and who and who doesn't. If you take inventory of all your coaches throughout your life, some of them are great coaches, and you could you could tell that they just didn't really care about you. The coaches that have really made an impact are are the ones sometimes too that, um, at least in in my experience, that I just know that they cared about me and they supported me being better at baseball and 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 kind of moving to the next level. And those are the coaches that stick in my mind, not the not the higher level coaches, not the people who kind of just told me black or white things. It was the people who took the time to get to know me and care. I think that's a, you know, the majority of coaching, I guess. But uh, yeah. the other part of coaching is obviously uh, the technical aspect. And that's honestly part of the reason, that's most of the reason I wanted you on here as well is I wanted to get to know you and learn and learn techniques because I see, number one, the, the level of players that you work with. You don't just work with that many players without building a reputation um, for knowing what you're doing, you know what I mean? And, and it sounds like, you know, maybe I, I almost remember the day where hitting just changed in my head. Um, mm -hmm. because me and you grew up in a time where it was down, down to the ball, down through, um, down the tunnel, up through the tunnel, up the hill, switch the bug, mm -hmm. um, Mike and Ike, all these different, like really, really easy cues, which end up ended up being not applicable to the majority of people. You know what I mean? And again, they're cues and I don't, I don't, I won't go on a tangent because I want to hear all of your opinions on this, but I, I really think that people, people sometimes take the easiest form of uh, communication, like squish the bug is really easy to communicate. And then that just gets passed around like crazy. Cause it's really easy to, to tell kids and then, and then it's really easy for kids to remember, but that's definitely not how you hit. Um, so, I mean, was there a point in your career where you said, where you, or, and we can get specific, where you said, oh, I don't go down to the ball? Or did you start right away from um, a coach that said, hey, this is actually how you hit? Because I remember the day someone told me how to hit, and I said, no, 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 that's wrong. Um, and he he was, uh, his hitting coach was Bobby Tewksbury. Mm. Um, so we're in the cage, and I'm already playing indie ball, 
And he's like, what are you doing on the tee? <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm hitting. And he's like, that's not even close to how you swing in games. Um, and I was like, this is how you hit, down to the ball. And he's like, no, that's not how you hit. But here's why. And he showed me. And it felt like my mind exploded. It felt like a whole new world opened up. Um, and it blew my mind. I have videos from back then, too. It's crazy. But sorry to rant. But I want to yeah, hear, no. you know, was, is, is, was there a turning point in your playing career where you learned how to hit? Or... Did it come from coaching where you started breaking things down and realize, hey, you know, this is what I believe hitting is. Um, and obviously, a lot of people believe in you because you've worked with so many major leaguers and, and, and pros and first rounders. But could, could you just tell us like the beginning of how you acquired um, all, all this knowledge on, on hitting? Yeah. Um, so um, short answer, lifelong learning game, right? Great. I, I mean, I do not have, first off, definitely don't have all the answers currently, <laughs> right? Like, regardless of the guys I work with and the guys that seek, seek my help and everything else. Um, but I think before any of that stuff, the whole kind of this, the um, hitting stuff online, and I, we kind of briefly talked about this the first time we, we talked, my head was so buried in the sand and focusing on winning ball games and recruiting the best players and mm -hmm. admissions and financial aid and housing and all this stuff at, at the division one level that all of the, the social media and the hitting and the, the term, you know, all that is, is actually a little bit newer to me. Um, and, you know, it blows my mind every day, like the stuff that's happening because it's just kind of in my, like, it's kind of out of control to be honest. Right. Like it's just, yeah. <laughs> so information uh, overload. Yeah, and, and it's – so first, I think what's really important to me is how – what's our purpose, right? Our purpose is to make players better, okay? That's the foundation of what you should build off of. So how do you make players better? Well, you make players better by accessing different resources, and how then it's about how you communicate it to that player. And by the way, that player doesn't really care unless you care about them, and – you're, you make it an individual thing for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm going off on a tangent here. So I go apologize. for it. We got time. But, no, but, go on the but, tangent. Yeah. But the, the social, so first off, I think it's, it's pretty, it's kind of sad when you look at, um, how people are at each other. Right. It's like, people want to fight each other and like, dude, I don't have time for that. Right. I just yeah. told you, I was chasing around my two-year-old, like, you just running around without a diaper on, you know? Like, I just don't have time to get into all of that mess. And, by the way, the guys that played at the highest level, loved, I talked to all those guys, right? I love talking to them. Love hearing their opinions. Love hearing them talk about swing down. And love talking to them about what they got out of the game and how they performed at the highest level. I, You know, I've just been having talks with, with Swisher, right? Nick Swisher, who's part of, like, what we're doing, and talk to him about hitting, talk to, you know, Dip Hoffy, like Trevor Hoffman is part of the great Britain program about how he attacked hitters. So like the guys at the highest level, respect them, talk to them. The guys that aren't at the highest level, high school coaches, youth coaches, find something that you can grab from those guys as well. And this is something I'm really passionate about just because I feel like in this game and where we're at, the game is too important. Players are too important. And how we move the game forward is too important, especially in our environment right now. Right? Like, so what are we talking about? Like, why is there such this clash of negativity when all you got to do is have an open mind, pick up what you like. You don't, you can debate it. Like, I'm not saying just ride the fence and not have an opinion, but pick up what you like and move on from there, right? Like you just kind of add it to your tool set. If you don't like it, no big deal. So where I get, you know, like that's where I get so passionate about it because man, like I was, I left the division one level. I resigned in 2018 and then this hitting stuff that you just kind of, and I didn't even answer any of that, but you're, the hitting stuff <laughs> just kind of came up. Right. So yeah, then yeah. it's like, man, it's kind of been this whirlwind of like, okay, how do you maneuver through all this stuff? So, um, as far as, as looking at, at it from that perspective for me, kind of then builds how, I want to talk to hitters and how I want to have a conversation with hitters because I know after man, you know, having 25 to 27 hitters every single year, um, it's, it's difficult at the division one level 
because you want to win ball games and you have to get them to perform and you don't have all this time like these guys have in the offseason, right? In fall, in fall, we had two hours a day or excuse me, two hours a week, okay? So you're hitting for 30 minutes, 20 minutes at a time. You don't have, have much time to get the information across. So you better be good at it, right? You better be efficient in how you're doing that. So it's, when, when I kind of figured it out, sorry, I told you I got on the tangent, but when I- <laughs> No, you're good, you're good. You know, you know so is, is there a time that clicked? Is there a time that st- stood out or stands out in my head? Um, you know, the one thing I could, I could do I could do well was I had some, some barrel feel like I could, I, I would, I'd be able to, to do things pretty well in the box as a left-handed hitter. So when I figured it out, honestly, was, was the research and the stuff that you, you continue to do is different. Like we said, when, when I was younger, there wasn't like all the resources that are available now, but it was continual trial and error. It was in the garage. It was when people aren't watching, right? It's continuing to go in those two for 38s and say, oh, <laughs> I better figure something out. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and when you start, I think there was a stretch when I was playing overseas in the Dutch league where it was a hor- it was horrible in the beginning, right? Like, they were probably like, dude, what the, like, why did we bring this guy over here? Um, and, and you know, then you kind of, then things started to click because you kind of find yourself. So I think I can't, I, I, for me, there wasn't necessarily like a Tewksbury moment, like you were talking about in the cage, like boom, light bulb went off. Yeah. Um, it was, it's kind of just kind of been a progression of starting to look at things differently and, and keeping an open mind and not letting the game pass you, pass you by. So, um, that's where it's kind of con- continued to progress for me, even from a coaching standpoint. Right. Even even now as a coach, it's like how it's always goes back to how do I make my players better? Right. How do I how do you do that the right way? So, um, yeah, that's kind of the, the main the main part of where I've kind of developed the hitting stuff that I kind of do today. Cool. Yeah. I mean, no, no that's that's awesome because, you know, everyone's everyone's journey to kind of the same place is so different. For me, it, it was someone like bopping me on the head and saying, you're doing it wrong. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm doing it right. <laughs> I, I saw all the, the pictures in, in the magazines, like I'm doing it fine. So yeah. um, I like hearing those stories too, is that it, it, these gradual, you're, you're picking and pulling from different coaches, from different players over the years. Um, and I guess just being adaptable, which I guess is, is, I mean, probably the most important trait you could have as a baseball player. Um, so here I kind of want to, I want to connect a little bit of the dots, right? You go from, yeah. You know, you you played in in twelve different countries. You had this awesome baseball career. You learned so much. You went as a, um you know into high school coach, and then you got I mean an awesome job at San Diego, <laughs> which is a fantastic yeah. school, and a lot of great players have come out of there. Um, and I'm sure you've met some great players from there. But you know, over the and and I don't know your history perfectly, but over the last few years, it seems like you worked with some really incredible talented people. Um, yeah. What, how did you go from being a high school coach with tons of experience, right? So it's, it's not like you just magically came up, came upon this. You have tons of experience, tons and tons. Um, how, how did you end up working with so many talented players? And I would love to get into Manny too, in a little yeah. bit, if that's cool. Um, but yeah, because you, you know, you're working with all these players, a lot of coaches, they have, you know, they have their kids, they do high school um in college and and they have some programs they work with but you have a a, a list you have yeah. 65 people um can, if you could connect the dots for us how did that start and then how did how did that kind of snowball into what it is now yeah i mean i tell this someone asked me this the other day and and, and it's uh i don't know how what the right word is but i, I resigned from usd in 2018 um i did that and then the guys that that previously got drafted from there um, you know, I was just kind of hitting, hitting with a couple of them and it started kind of like that as far as like, Hey, Marcy, you available to go, go swing it. Sure. Let's go. And then, you know, just kind of give him, give him some, some conversation points. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how it literally started. And it wasn't even me, uh, you know, trying to build anything or trying to get a, you know, a, a client list or work with guys or help guys out. Um, it started then, and and, and the, on the side we were building kind of a, a different platform. But then, through that, 
word of mouth basically it's kind of mm. honestly how it happened so all of a sudden you um you start working with two guys and it's four guys and then you know a month later there's like eight guys in the cage yeah. you know and then just kind of continues to build and build and build um so that's kind of the transition after then till now uh and then yeah really like that's really it like i, I don't really promote it as per se as far as like hey come hit with me you know or mm-hmm. like come because i'm not associated with any facility i'm not associated with uh you know whatever it was just kind of like hey these guys talk to each other right baseball world is one degree of separation right everyone knows everyone and um yeah that's kind of where where i'm at i'm at today so yeah and i mean you you're still working with great guys and i i probably go on your page on instagram once a day just to see what video's up. Um, even though I don't play baseball anymore, I don't coach baseball anymore, which I did coach for a little while, I still just look at hitting videos like all, like way too much. I have a bat in my apartment, and uh, when I was waiting for you to get on, I was I was doing I was doing some swings in the corner because my fiance's not home, and that's that's when I get to to squeeze in my dry hacks. Um, I love it. But uh, but yeah, I mean so. How did you, if, if we can, if we can go towards Manny, right? Cause I think yeah. Manny's, Manny's clip just kind of got shared around everywhere because we're like, Manny's still grinding. Like, and for me personally, I was, I'm, I'm Boston born and raised. Um, I've been uh, a huge Manny fan for forever. He's who I grew up with, um, was Manny and, and Nomar and, and obviously David Ortiz and everything later on. But um, you know, how'd you start working with Manny? And then it seems like you guys hit all the time now. Can you take us through kind of what that's like? Cause it must be a blast. Oh man. Uh, yeah, definitely a highlight. We talk about like moments, right? Moments in that, that get burned into you. You asked me about hitting, like, was there that aha moment? And there's kind of like these little, little ones, right? Um, the Manny thing was just like, man, that's just kind of like burned into your, into your memory. Um, same way, like Manny, probably one of the favorite guys I used to just study and watch and mm-hmm. watch him uh, dive to cut off a ball in the outfield and everything else. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so basically how what happened was, um, you know, just kind of figuring out the, the whole social media stuff, not really knowing what I'm doing, just kind of like putting stuff out there and like, hey, this is what, what I do. Um, not like trying to fight with anyone or anything, you know, just kind of like, hey, here's what I do. Like, if you yeah. like it, great. <laughs> no, like, whatever, let's talk hitting. And then uh, I got a, uh, a message from uh, Manny's son and also his wife when I was uh, out, actually with my wife on the way out to New Orleans. And I was like, there's no way. This is like, um, what do you call it? Like some catfish thing, right? This yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, because like every, th- every time things happen, like, you're like, dude, why, do- why does he want to hit with me? Like, you know, like there's plenty of great guys out there that are, are I feel like, I want to learn from and are, are better. And so, but he, he reached out eventually and we ended up having a conversation. I saw Manny Jr. Cause he played at the university of San Francisco. So I've always kind of known, um, he, he was there and then Manny would be in the stands. I'm like, Oh my God, that's Manny. Dude, that's Manny Ramirez. <laughs> you know? And then, uh, we, um, we ended up having a conversation and talking and then he, uh, you know, he's wanting to bring his son out to train but basically he, we set a date and he's like, Hey, can I come out? Because I just want to learn and, and figure stuff out. So Manny Ramirez wants to learn. Right. Okay. So I, 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 like 48 hours. I was like, dude, I'm doing something wrong. I need to be better. Right. I'm always on this like learning thing and like one to 3 AM. I'm like, let's get something done so I can make myself better. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to watch somebody. I'm going to pull up a video and then Manny Ramirez is telling me he needs to needs to get better and improve. I'm like, okay, well, I needed to double my efforts on what I'm doing, right? I need to be better because that dude is obviously, you know, it speaks for itself. So he ended up coming out to San Diego, and we spent a, a week. And, um, yeah, it was very surreal, number one. Um when he walked in, I was like, dude, this is crazy. It was speechless, right? Like star, starstruck. And it doesn't happen often because I just kind of like, you know, I, I grew up from nothing, right? Like I grew up in, in the environment where it was like, you always had to fight for certain things and you always needed to, um, you know, whatever, just grind for certain things. But anyway, so 
the probably the most real moment was, and I tell the story all the time. I'm like, okay, setting up the L screen, and like we go through some stuff, and we're talking and chatting and looking at his videos of hitting bombs in Fenway. I'm like, dude, what is going on? All right, and he, you know, like some of the questions he's asking me, which you know, I try, I keep those pretty private, but like he just, you know, he's kind of like asking me, like, hey, look at Mars, look at this, what do you got, right? Like just certain things he's asking me, and then I grab the ball behind the L screen, and I'm about to throw him batting practice. And, and he does his bat tap on the plate and he kind of, you know, sets himself up. And I sat there, I was like, wow, this is insane. I'm, you know, and then I was like, I better throw a striker. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you better throw a good BP to Manny. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably the moment where I was like, this is, what have I, you know, not like what have I done to deserve this, but like, man, reflecting on how did this happen? right? How did this get to this point? And then like, just thinking about all the people, the family, you know, it just, it's like kind of an emotional thing, you know, because it's like, you don't want to make it a bigger deal than it is, but it's also like, there's so many people that have sacrificed that have, that have allowed me to do what I do and get me to this point. Right. And there's just, you know, so that was definitely a thrilled moment. So yeah, now, you know, we talk like he, called me i think like four times yesterday and we we're just chatting and like just, just breaking it down and i was joking with my wife i'm like dude manny what's up man what do you need now you know and then it's like <laughs> manny ramirez so yeah he's just still learning he's still wanting to get better he's sending me swings we're breaking swings down mm-hmm. um yeah man like unreal unreal and, and you know unreal person too yeah just unbelievable like the type of type of person he is just so like genuine so down to earth kind all that stuff yeah, man. I mean, I think it says it all how you started this, which was Manny wants to learn still. Like, it's insane to think of his career, how amazing of a hitter he was, so successful. He doesn't even he's not even a player anymore. And he still just has um, that passion to learn, which is which is crazy. Um, you know what? When you guys started talking about hitting, right, because I'm sure you guys went deep into just kind of into into his technique into your technique all these things and um you know what what was the first thing you noticed about Manny I because I've seen his swing unlimited times same with you you've seen his swing but hearing how he thinks of his swing must be totally different um you know what was the thing that stood out between Manny and pretty much everybody else what what was something that jumped off the page at you to begin with yeah, that's a good question. Um, probably his approach to wanting to, to – so I guess the better way to put it is he was almost like he went in and it was, it was me trying to analyze like, okay, how, how does he – like I'm in, in my mind, I'm like, wait, I'm trying to figure out how, what type of learner Manny is, right? <laughs> like is he, is he a field guy? Is it just – you know, talent is, is it, how, how does he learn? Okay. Um, so I think the thing that stood out the most is number one, it was question after question after que- just asking questions versus assuming things. And it was, I mean, Josh, we, we broke, we broke it down from set up in, in the ground all the way up the body. Right. And, and it was almost like, like it was just mind blowing. Okay. Because it was one, the one thing that I, that I loved that he told me was, um, the way to progress in this game. And everyone says this so cliche is just to be humble, right? Continue to be humble, continue to be humble. So he's telling me that. And then now all of a sudden he's coming at me with asking me, you know, like just set up how, how to set up the correct way. Um, which is like, Here's the basics of a seven, eight-year-old like teaching the foundations of the swing and the movement and everything else is standing in the box, and then you kind of like, wait a second. So, where's the where? How do you bridge this gap, right? Because he's been so successful. Now, where do I take it from here? So, um, when 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 you start to look at his swing and the way he moves, the main thing that I loved in his movement was just how easy it was. It lit like just literally like and everyone says that, but it, it's true. Like his effort level was was down. It was easy. It was fluid. And you know, like 
I posted some stuff, you know, and then you kind of like, of course, he's not moving the same way because he's 40 plus years old. Right? Yeah. Like, and he's, he's not a major leaguer anymore. Like, yeah. So, he already did years. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and so the, the easiness of it for sure was something that definitely stood out and his just how uh, willing he was, like I just said, you know, just how willing he was to really, truly break it down from like burn it down to the foundation and let's roll. Right. Yeah, man. I think that's so important for, for people to hear. Usually, usually there's a point in every episode of spotlight where I just want to highlight something because the, the people who are listening to this are people who want to get better. They want to, they want to learn from you. They want to, they want to take on your experiences. So we, we already have a great audience that wants to learn. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think when you, when you hear that Manny, um, you know, thinks his key to success is being humble and then has the the mentality that he can take something and learn from everyone that he doesn't know everything with his insane accolades and and playing career. Um, I think it gives everybody hopefully permission to just leave your ego at the door, please. Like if Manny, <laughs> if Manny Ramirez is saying, teach me how to stand in the box um, and and is so committed to that level of detail. Um, and I think like an, another thing just from an outsider looking in is, um, you know, if between a coach and a player, if you know where he's at mentally and he knows where you're, you're at mentally, which takes a lot of time, right. You can't just work for someone day one and, and get a lot out of them. You know, you, yeah. you, you build a relationship. So, um, that might've been his technique for building that relationship with you. So, you know, where he is at mentally. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I just want to highlight that asking questions is kind of where it starts, right? I mean, if, if Manny's humble enough to ask questions, I think everyone that's listening to this, you know, with your coach, um, hopefully your coach is receptive of questions. I've seen that a lot too. Don't talk mm-hmm. until the end of the lesson kind of thing, which blows my mind. Um, but hopefully you have a great coach that is receptive to questions and then just ask away because I mean, if, if, if Manny's doing it, and uh, and he thinks that's the key to success. I would I would probably follow his lead. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that real quick. Um, but to go, you know, maybe we can dig into technique a little bit more. Um, you know, what what is something that you know anyone that listening to this podcast, let's say it's a 16 year old kid, he's obsessed with baseball, you know, really talented, all these different things. What's you know what's probably the most common thing? you see with younger hitters, right? Whether probably, you know, high level high school, low level, or not low level, high, le- high level high school, good, good level college. What's the number one thing, y- you know, you see with them that, that they should change. I, I have my opinion on it and I would love to, to hear what you think and, and maybe give it, give some advice about it. Yeah. Um, so I would say that I, my perspective is coming from number one, uh, when I was younger, my dad used to sit, sit me in front of VHS. You probably, Josh, I don't know if you watch VHS tapes, but you probably I did. young, but uh, no, I okay. did. All right. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so, yeah. So VHS tapes and, you know, uh, George Brett, Wally Joyner, you know, you watch guys like Roy Campanaris, Willie Starger, like all these old school dudes. Right. So th- that happened my back then. And I, I'm just telling you this because like, this is kind of my mentality and how I've, I've kind of morphed into like what I would tell a high school kid today. And, and, um, when, and this is a, a tangent story, but in, in late eighties, Ernie Banks, Bobby Bonds, Willie Stargell, Billy Williams all came to London when I was there to play in an exhibition game. And my dad was, my dad also played. So they played against each other. Um, one one moment that I always share with high school guys is the moment I heard uh, Bobby Bonds, Ernie Banks, and Willie Stargell talk about hitting, right? And I'm in the dugout because, you know, like I'm this kid that one of the only kids in England that's playing baseball at the time. Yeah. Right? Like, and, and, um, but it was amazing to hear them talk about being a hitter, okay? And um, how you become a hitter and the techniques that – you know, Barry would use as far as like his, his different drills that Bobby would talk about. And the thing to get to your question that, that I've always formed by knowing that recruiting a lot of high school players, right. Uh, seeing a ton of games and at bats is that truly, and a lot of coaches say this, but 
learning to understand the met the metrics yes and the exit velo and all that stuff you know like use it as you as you need to use it it's part of the equation um but learning how to hit right learning how to understand how a pitcher is trying to attack you a certain way how do you learn to be a hitter well one thing that i know watching so many high school videos and in cage routines and all that stuff is i hyperventilate sometimes watching watching these high, high school hitters and I, I stole that from from steve springer a buddy of mine but i do <laughs> like you hyperventilate because it it's like they're the tasmanian devil in the in the batting cage right yeah. and it's all about how and i i put guys on it because i i want to use it a certain way and sometimes i don't like with manny we don't we need we didn't talk about metrics really did i put him on it just because i wanted to see what my eyes what i thought was happening yeah, I, I did that, and I do it with some guys. But um, I think guys getting away from the swing as hard as I can and look up at the screen, right? Swing as hard as I can and look up at the screen. So I think that's the main thing that I would tell high school hitters is understand how to have different gears in your swing, how to use different swing variety. So then in a game, when you face something that's not just going like this, then you have some some time, some adjustability within that swing because you're not just worried about what does it say right mm -hmm. um so molding your yourself to not to get in a routine yes but be comfortable doing things a certain way where it's going to allow you to be able to, to to have some different different gears in your swing right different depths in your swing and, and i think that's the biggest thing with high school kids is just understanding that and and i think to understand that you have to like in coaching you have to put the ego aside right you have to be able to work a certain way and be disciplined and not worry about what everyone else around you is thinking because you're working on a specific drill and you're not trying to hit the ball 90 miles per hour every time or 100 miles per hour every time yeah i mean i think that's great and i i mean i couldn't agree with you more either um and i hope people take that to heart because i see the same thing I, I i see exit velo is the end goal and you kind of touched on something which was really important. Um, when you were talking about Manny, you said, I wanted to make sure that um, what I was seeing was matching up with the analytics. And yeah. like that, that's the point. You know what I mean? We, we can see how fast the ball comes off the bat. We can hear it. We know if, if you got a good piece of it or not. Um, we had these metrics um, in the back of our mind. But, um, you know, the, the, the metrics and the, and the data and the analytics that we have so much of now should be helping you to train um, more consistently. Or, you know, if I work in a different swing pattern, um, how does that affect my metrics? Because I want to make sure my eye matches up. So I've, I've never heard anyone say that. And I think that's, that's literally, that's like the point. You're, you're training yourself um, to kind of up your, intuit, your intuition, I guess, on what's good and bad so you can be better at self-correcting without the data and without the analytics. So I think that's, that's a really good point. I don't even know if you, if you noticed yeah. you said that, but I thought, I thought that was great. Um, yeah. And yeah, and that's what I see with high school players too, just, just from watching online and, and, and being in batting cages and, you know, the, the goal is to hit the ball as hard as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's not the goal of baseball. The, the goal of baseball is literally to win the game, um, yeah. which, um, you know, it gets lost sometimes, but, uh, I would love to go into some rapid fire questions now if, 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 if you're in, and, uh, yep. I say this on every, every episode too. I always say rapid fire. They're never rapid fire. You, <laughs> you say something and then I want to talk about it. So, yeah, it's funny. um, yeah. So now it's, it's like, don't feel like just cause it's rapid fire, you have to answer it quickly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the first one is what advice would you give your 16 year old self? Stop worrying about what people around you think. Um, yeah, stop uh, being in, a, you know, uh, recruiting gives me a different perspective because you want to find guys that are going to come in and build with your culture, right? You also kind of have that fine balance where you don't want the guy that's uh, um, not confident in himself and maybe a little bit more reserved, Um which it's fine having being in reserve, but you, you want to kind of have that balance. You want guys with a little bit of chip on your shoulder as well. But I think a lot of kids uh, today and what I would tell myself is that, um, you know, 
Swisher told me this yesterday. He goes, hey, and he told me, he was telling me a story, and he basically said, hey, Mars, how many haters do you have? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, probably a lot. I, I tried, you know, not paying attention to to uh, stay, staying on the positive energy train, right? And he goes, well, however many you have, you need two million, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, yeah. So I think a, a lot of people um, get on that negative train, right? And they worry so much and they get so consumed by that. And it's bigger than the game. It's bigger than the game of baseball. It's just do th- how you, how we sum it up. Like how we do anything is how we do everything, right? I got that from a friend of mine, Dean with, with this, but he, but you know, how we do anything is how we do everything. So I would tell myself that, right? Regardless if it is the right way to do it, if your buddy is going to laugh at you because whatever you're doing it right or who cares, right? That's the way to do it. Yeah. And I mean, that takes a lot of courage. You know what I mean? You're, you're 16, 17 years old. You even, I mean, definitely into college, even into, into pro ball at any level, um, you know, baseball outside of baseball, it takes a lot of courage to go against the grain and, and be and open yourself to being ridiculed. And, you know, just to bring it back to Manny, like, does Manny care about asking questions? Does he (laughs) care about looking stupid? Um, no. And I mean, is that, is that the reason for his success? Maybe, I don't know. Did it contribute? I'm sure it definitely contributed a, a large part. So, and I see that all the time and it, it definitely causes a lot of, uh, people to be uncomfortable or, or not, not to allow themselves to ask the right questions to kind of reach their full potential or, or, or progress or even help other people and be a good teammate. So, yeah, I mean, that's, sure. that's probably the best advice you could give somebody at, yeah. uh, at that age, in my opinion. So that, yeah. that's awesome. Um, what's one thing you've changed your mind on in the past year? Ooh, man. One thing I've changed my mind on. Gosh, man, that's a good one. Um, gosh. So I would say the, the one thing I've, I've changed my mind on is, um, Maybe I think, uh, you know, I definitely have come from that time where it's like that VHS, right, <laughs> that we talked about. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think in a sense, you know, there's the old school and the new school and you're bridging the gap between the two. Um, I think that where I feel like maybe something that has, has been different is truly embracing that in the end of the day, you go into the mentality and trying to improve myself every day to say, Hey, look, you know, nothing. This is a blank slate, right? I think sometimes we get caught in cruise control mode and I've caught myself doing this as well, where, um, when you, when you think, you know, something a certain, that certain way being okay, like you just talked about and you hit it in the head, like check, check it out the door, um, be a blank canvas, Right. And just understand that there's there's different ways. There's other ways. So I don't know if, um, you know, if in the past year it's kind of more been a progression on understanding like, hey, you may have your foundations and you may be solid on certain things within how you teach hitting. But be willing to take number three on that list and put an edit in there. Right. Hmm be willing to go back to a player and say, Hey, look, I used to talk to you about this. I did this, this off season, right? I, I used to, I, I work with a guy, uh, Riley Adams, who I, I hit with in college cause he's one of my college guys. And now he's with the blue Jays. I said, Hey man, I used to tell you this, right? You know what? It was horrible. <laughs> right now looking at it now learning stuff now looking at the data and now looking at the, maybe some metrics and now talking to some MLB guys and some guys, you know, that I respect. I don't like it anymore, and here's why, right? So just be be okay with them saying, wait, dude, we just did this for a month, um, but in the end of the day, it's explaining it a certain way and how you get that point across and not shoving it just down someone's throat. It's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Hitting is a conversation. So I think just being better at, at that. So that's kind of a roundabout answer to your, <laughs> your question. No, one, that was that, that was super great helpful question. and honestly some sometimes if, if if you have nothing for the question yeah great stuff comes out of it like that because that i mean that's 
That's really important too. I mean, and it, it kind of goes along with the theme of, of check, checking the ego at the door and, and you being humble enough to say that you were wrong and having, you know, enough courage to not be judged or ridiculed by him. And I'm sure that develops trust with your players too, which is, you know, why these players keep coming back. There's that it's definitely not, um, you know, by chance you're doing something really, yeah. really well to have them come back. So I think that's great. Um, yeah. One thing, one thing, Josh, sorry too, like just, I think too, yeah. as well, just for me when, you know, regardless of how I say it, or you say it, or, you know, a coach on the East Coast say it, or someone in Australia or whatever. However, that player gets better, because I could say it, you could say it, right? And everyone has heard this, and then they could, it could click more how the way you communicated it. It, it doesn't matter, right? Like, it, it shouldn't matter. I don't care how they get better, whether it's through me or someone else just get better, right? Because if they're getting better, they're better players. If they're better players, that continues to improve the game. The game moves along, right? We're, we're, we're making forward progress, and we're not stuck in, well, screw you. You didn't learn it from me, so now I'm not going to talk to you ever again. <laughs> like, it's not, right? Like, there's so much of that around. So guys ask me all the time, hey, Mars, uh, I'm going to go. Is it okay if I go hit with that guy? Or if I, if I go hit somewhere else? I'm like, I don't, yeah, dude, it's all good right go can i come too and learn yeah. <laughs> like you know like so um just being just willing you know willing man just being willing and being open-minded yeah that's huge that's huge and i mean it it that's your learner's mentality right there um which is i mean the probably the best the best thing you could be as a coach is a learner and and probably the most important thing you could pass on for baseball for outside of baseball for anything um yeah. is is kind of that philosophy so i, I definitely admire that um, last question. If, yeah. if you had, um, a billboard and you could put any, anything on the billboard, non-commercial obviously, and it reaches billions of people pretty much to get your message out, something that fits, you know, neatly onto a billboard, you know, what, mm. what would that be? Yeah, that one's, that was, you know, kind of my number one, um, 1% better, mm -hmm. 1% better, you know? Um, so under that subset is, uh, you don't need to get it all today. Right. Um, there's a, there's a pay, the word patient, right. A lot of kids now want it now, right. It's like, it's not a microwave game. You can't just put yourself in the microwave and then all of a sudden, boom, you pop out and now you're an all American, you know, like you, you've done it. Like it doesn't happen that way. You have to have moments and, and the game, Augie Garrido, when we played Texas, he said that, you know, and he said it all the time. He said, Hey, the game has a clock right? It's going to pay those back that are patient and put, put their put the time in. But the generation that we have to be better at and teach is this generation. And, you know, it's okay. Like you just have to teach them. That's not how, how it happens, right? That's not how the game works. So 1% better uh, daily, 1% better daily, finding a little bit more that you can get better at every single day, regardless of what that is on or off the field. Amazing. I love it, man. This was a blast. I learned a ton. That's probably the reason I love these podcasts so much because I get to talk to awesome people like you and learn so much. Um, really, thank you so much for 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 getting on, for teaching us, for you know telling us about your experiences. Um, it was really really helpful. Um, you know, thank you. And I want to just turn the mic over to you. Promote, you know, wh where can people find you? What are you working on right now? If there's anything you want to shout out or do, you know, the mic is yours. Um, have at it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, well, first, Josh, I think it's important that, you know, people understand that you you do this because you, you obviously want to promote and, and you love the game, right? Like, you don't need to, you don't need to do this, right? You, you obviously have a very successful business. But it's apparent that you want to do this because you want to give good information and you're here to spread that positive energy and that knowledge and information to people. So that's thank you for that, first off, because I think it's really important in, in these days. Um, and the yeah, I mean, you know, the Instagram stuff, Marcelino Baseball is where. Josh, he said he goes there daily to, to, <laughs> I, I to check this stuff. But, uh, um, but yeah, the, the thing that, um, that we have going on that we've been building for about 15 months is something that we've, um, Josh and I have talked about, but helping minor leaguers 
um, right now where we have partnered with a, a big uh, national sporting goods store and um, haven't really announced anything or kind of been quiet about it, but basically it's a platform for them to um, help families and kids and through different mentorships, through um, video analysis, right? Through chatting with them for 10 minutes. So we have a platform in place where we're helping minor leaguers, we're helping minor leaguers and major leaguers get jobs after they're done um, playing the game in transition, because as you know, that's kind of a tough time. Mm -hmm. And then just helping families and and kids getting information. So um, we're going to have a, and I I can share this information, but um, Nick Swisher is part of our team um, at A3. So we're just going to kind of do a round table and have a sounding board for youth kids all the way to minor league guys uh, just to help them right on in, in different different issues outside of the game man that's awesome and where, where can people find out more about that yeah so the uh, company's a3 division um a3 division is a company and if you guys can't find that then you can uh just send me a message on marcelino baseball on instagram and i can i can get you all that information but shameless plug here there you go there you go <laughs> That's kind of shameless, but that's okay. No, that's that's <laughs> fine. That's what it's for. You, 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 you taught us for the past hour. You definitely get to show your shirt. So, um, <laughs> dude, thank you so much. Um, like I said, I learned a ton. This is a blast. Um, you know, I hope our conversation continues. Um, you know, talk about baseball or whatever it is. It was it was really fun. Thank you again. Um, I appreciate it. Awesome, Josh. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Spotlight by Play Crane. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, take care.